where most of North Texas, the, the downtown areas are thriving. Ours just isn't. So our city council recognized that fact and thought, well, maybe a tiny home village would bring us the recognition of our downtown area and would be a good fit. And uh, once people know that we're that city that allows tiny homes, then maybe we could get some other development as well. I think other cities are going to want to have that cute little tiny home village. We gave a tour to a, a city that is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they don't need anything, but I think they would just like to have a tiny home village. And so that's a big deal whenever cities, other cities start looking at our village and thinking this might be something that they could use. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 79 with Terry Landtrip. I learned about Terry's work through Alexis and Christian of Tiny House Expedition, and Terry is in the process of creating a tiny house village in Lake Dallas, Texas. Now, if you're not familiar with it, Lake Dallas is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So this will be a tiny house village in an urban metropolitan area. He's been working at it for a long time now and has run into a lot of red tape, but the project is almost done. And when it is, there's going to be 13 parking spaces for rent for tiny houses on wheels, along with a communal uh, washateria, a place to do laundry. Terry has a really calm and patient way of explaining the answers to all of my probably basic questions about real estate development, but there is a lot to learn about how to advocate for tiny houses in that municipal code zoning um, structure. So this is a great conversation, and I encourage you to listen to what Terry has to say and learn how you can take the model of what he's created and apply it to your own cities and towns. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, the Tiny House Forum. Are you frustrated by how fragmented Tiny House information is online? Tiny House Forum is an online community for exchanging information, ideas, and resources related to the Tiny House movement all in one central location. At Tiny House Forum, you can have conversations with others who are interested in the tiny house lifestyle, those currently living the tiny house lifestyle, and tiny house businesses and organizations that can provide guidance along the way. TinyHouseForum.com is 100% free to use and joining is easy. Head on over to TinyHouseForum.com to participate in the discussions or start a new topic of your own today. If that didn't already sound great, right now you can be entered to win $500 cash by joining Tiny House Forum and making your first few posts. Learn more about the contest at tinyhouseforum.com where you can sign up and be entered to win $500 cash. Again, that's tinyhouseforum.com where you can sign up to be entered to win $500 cash. Right, I am here with Terry Landtrip. 
Terry grew up in a family that invested in real estate but decided to go into the newspaper business for a few decades instead. He owned and operated several newspapers, including the Lake City Sun in Lake Dallas. Terry began buying properties in the Lake Dallas downtown district in 1986 and now has 3.5 acres and 21 rentals. He's about to add another 13 rentals in the form of the Lake Dallas Tiny Home Village. Terry Landtrip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ethan. It's an honor to be here. I've enjoyed all your podcasts and uh, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I would say that you, you're the guest that I've been like chasing for like the longest amount of time. I feel like we made contact like a year ago almost when Absolutely. It, it felt like the tiny house village was, was about to be, you know, it was about to be done. Yes. Well, it's been a long journey. Um, it's been a big learning curve and we've had to deal with city hall in Lake Dallas and that's been a challenge and it continues to be a challenge, but we're almost there. Uh, we've got a couple more weeks and I hope to have everything finished and get those people moved in because We've got about 12 of the 13 homes, uh, tiny homes ready to come in, and the, the residents are excited about finally getting to move in. So that was actually one of my questions. If you could just explain kind of what the model for this village is. Is it all people bringing their own tiny homes and renting a place to park, or are you going to have tiny homes that you rent to people as well? We have 13 spaces. And all of the spaces will be tiny homes on wheels, and everyone will be bringing their own. Okay. I think that's a better bet because that way people have pride of ownership in their homes, and the homes reflect their uh, personalities, and they have a vested interest in making sure the, the village is the best it can be. Yeah, I like that. I think I think that it'll also lend kind of a... a a lot of different things to look at. It's going to be every tiny house is different. And, you know, it's when one person, you know, designs them all and makes them all, then it can kind of look a little bit uniform. So having all these different houses, I think, is going to make it look really cool. Right. I can't wait to see them in person. I've seen a few of them, but it's going to be awesome when they actually get here. So 12 of the 13 spots are already spoken for. Right. Right. So there's one more spot for some lucky person out there listening. To one this. more spot. And I have a feeling with all the media attention that we're going to get, we'll probably have that one filled at least by the grand opening, if not before. Nice. So what what do people get for their rent and what what will the rent be? OK, so we we have two different size lots. We have an 800 square foot lot, which is 20 by 40. And those are going for $500. The larger lots are 900 square feet. And those go for $550. So what you get for the, the $500 or $550 is you get uh, your lot. You get sewer, water, trash, recycling. And then we have the cutest washeteria around. And that's just included. There's no coin-operated machines or anything. So the washeteria is just laundry? Right. You only have to pay for your electric and then your internet. That's fantastic. And is there is there internet service available on site? Cor 
Correct. We have two different internet services people can choose from. And so they can pick whichever one they feel more comfortable with. That sounds great. And I don't know what the housing market is like in Lake Dallas, but is but 550 sounds downright reasonable for where I live. What is that? How does that compare? I think the closest we have as a competitor would be in the 600 or low 600 range. So yeah, we're probably a little lower, uh, but I wanted to start out at a price where we knew we could get them filled. We'll have to go up because of taxes and insurance and all that good stuff, but uh, we'll always try to keep it very uh, competitive and as low as we can keep it. But yeah, that's, that's a pretty good rate for around here. And the housing market is just really tight. I just finished the Lake Dallas bungalows and those filled in no time. So we we have plans for more of those as well. Nice. So I want to back up a little bit and, and ask, you know, what what got you into tiny houses in the first place and, and what inspired you to do this? I, I would imagine that with with most things there's a scale and that tiny houses there's not huge margins on them i know there aren't huge margins on them for builders so i would imagine that for for rental spots as well it's not probably the most lucrative thing so what what made you want to do it well the per- the property that it's going to be on is an, uh, the last of a farm it's the last one acre of a farm it has a really cool old house and um, a lot of trees. So this property is adjoined some of my other property and the, the, the husband and wife that live there. Um, the wife actually grew up in the house. Her grandparents were the original owners of the house. And she, they got to be in their 80s. So they needed to find somebody else to take care of the house. And they needed to move in with family. So they contacted me and said, would you, would you be interested in buying the house? We want you to have it because we know that you will take care of the house and you will also take care of the trees. So um, I was kind of stuck with this older home and no way to really put a lot of uh, uh, buildings on it. And I really didn't want to mess it up either. So. I wasn't sure what to do. I was thinking about mixed use, but that was just too costly. And I went to um, the Texas State Fair and saw this cute little tiny house. And I thought, that's really cool. So actually, somebody really lives in there. That's just that's just too cool. And then I went to the um, uh, Earth Day in Dallas, and there were about eight or nine homes there one year and the lines to see the homes were so long that I didn't even get to go in any of the homes. Uh, I was on a tight schedule, but I'd spent a lot of time looking at the homes from the outside thinking, these are really cute. I think I might could maybe put my lot, my land that I don't know what to do with and tiny homes together and see what would happen. So my original plan uh, that I presented the city was to do an RV slash tiny home park. And I wasn't sure that tiny homes would be 
big enough at that time to fill the spot. So I thought, well, I can do RVs as well. And then eventually completely go over to tiny homes. So I made the presentation to the city and they did not like the RV part at all. They were like, yeah, we're not going to do RVs. No RVs. But we really like your idea for tiny homes. So if you could come back with a presentation and tell us how you could work it with just tiny homes, then we would be very interested in listening listening to what you have to say. So that's what we did. Um, I got with the DFW tiny house enthusiasts, uh, especially uh, B.A. Norgard, who is like the guru of tiny homes around here. And then Jet Reagan, uh, who is also super into tiny homes, knows a lot. And together, uh, they helped me formulate a plan and um, do a layout that would really have the best use of the property and i think we came up with a really good plan so we presented it to the city um the city manager at that time fought us but the council members uh majority of them uh liked the idea and um approved it and we've been working on it ever since so what did you have to do to the land to, you know, get it ready for 13 tiny house spots? Oh, my. You know, you really don't know how much work goes into it until you actually do it. But we had to put in the, the sewer line, the water line. Uh, we had to completely regrade everything and bring in a lot of uh, uh, dirt. And we had to put in the uh, electric lines, the telephone and internet lines and uh yeah it took a lot more work than i actually thought but it's so strange because all of that's pretty much underground so you really don't notice that it's there but there's a lot there's a lot going on down there and then what do the houses themselves rest on are they concrete pads or just gravel or how did you do that They'll be on gravel. They'll be hard-packed uh, uh, soil and then gravel on top of that. And what about codes? Um, do the houses themselves have to meet any kind of building code? or and Right. Yeah. Well, when we were first starting this, uh, this was before Appendix V, which later became Appendix Q. So I went in and talked to the city planner at the time, super nice guy. He has since left. Um, and we were saying, okay, how do, how do this, how does the city regulate this? How do we find the codes since there are no codes that would even allow this? And so while we were trying to figure out how to make it work, there was a whole delegation led by the Morrisons. BA was in, involved in that, Jet Reagan, Zach Giffen. I don't know who all was all there, but they went to the International Residential Code. I guess it was like a convention and presented uh, the idea of tiny homes being part of the International Residential Code. And somehow they were able to make a good enough presentation 
that the International Residential Code, I don't know, Congress decided to approve the concept of tiny homes. So once they did that, and now, now that what they did was they approved them for site-built homes, but it was close enough for us to be able to use it for the tiny homes on wheels. So that way we were able to use that as the basis for all the city codes. So it was there. They made our lives a whole lot easier by all the work that they did. Nice. So you actually got the city to adopt Appendix Q or adopt the 2018 IRC. And then I, I know that that set of codes doesn't um, address houses on wheels. So how how did you get around that or how did you address that? I think because it was just close enough and there wasn't anything else that we could do, uh, there wasn't anything else that we could use, the, the council members, the majority of the council members said, yeah, we, that's fine. We can use this as our, our, our place of starting. So um, they were fine with the fact that they were on wheels. Interesting. So are there requirements for the tiny houses themselves? Like, you know, do they have to take off the wheels? Do they have to put up skirting? We do have to have skirting. Um, they all have to be Appendix Q compliant. Um, we're right now way past the stage that we should be dealing with this, but um, we're trying to figure out a way to for the city to to either inspect or we inspect them using our own inspector, own private Texas certified inspector, so that the interior of the home, the things such as mechanical, plumbing, electrical, as well as the appendix, that's all um, approved prior to them actually even coming to the site. Got it. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor for today's show, tinyhouseforum.com. Founder Chuck Camfield became interested in tiny house living after attending a festival in 2018, but was disappointed when he couldn't find a central online resource for exchanging information and encouragement with other tiny house hopefuls, dwellers, and builders. So he assembled a team of talented web developers and Tiny House Forum was born. Tiny House Forum is dedicated to inspiring and nurturing all who are interested in furthering their knowledge of the tiny house revolution. And right now, you can be entered to win $500 cash by joining Tiny House Forum and making your first few posts. You can learn more about the contest and sign up at tinyhouseforum.com. Thank you so much to Tiny House Forum for sponsoring our show. And, and so it doesn't sound like you require the houses to be like RVIA certified or NOAA certified. Not RVIA, but um, NOAA has come along uh, so far in the last few years that we're going to be asking that NOAA certified homes be automatically approved as far as the inspection process because they do have strict rules and and procedures that will take care of everything that we need, including the appendix. Yeah, that, that seems like a good shortcut, you know, skip the inspection. Yes, much, much easier for those homes 
we can still handle the other homes. They just have to go through a, almost like a private third party uh, inspector to be sure their home meets all the requirements. Right. Now, we're, we're kind of battling with the city because the city would like to do the inspections with their third party inspector. But it's just awkward whenever your home is, you know, three states away or even three counties away for their inspector to actually go out and do the inspection. Right. Yeah, it's impractical. So if we do our own inspectors, we're good. And I think I think the elected officials are going to be okay with that. We're not trying to circumvent any rules. We're just trying to make it easier for the the homeowners themselves. Yeah, that that's that's nice because it would it would be burdensome if somebody moved from three states away and then got the inspection and found out that their house for some reason didn't meet it and that they've already moved the house. Right. And that's what the city was saying. Well, you'll have to just move it here and then we'll check it out. And then, then if it doesn't meet the, the codes, then you'll just have to move it. And that's not. Yeah, that's, that's not, not even. That would be unkind. Yeah, that's no common sense there. So it sounds like because you're working from Appendix Q, I'm guessing that things like school buses converted, you know, those kinds of homes wouldn't be wouldn't be allowed. No, no. And I love I love schoolies and have since I was a kid. But no, we can't have uh, anything but actual tiny homes on, on wheels that are Appendix Q compatible. And that's OK. We only have 13 spots. And I'm working with uh, different people. Uh, well, I will be. I, I haven't really had time to work with anybody else, but I'll be working with other people who um, are working outside of the city limits, and they'll be more. Uh, they'll be able to handle different kind of homes if that's what they choose to to accommodate. Nice. So, is there a size limit on you know a home parked at the Lake Dallas Village? Yes, we we originally planned eight and a half by thirty five, but it seems like some of these tiny homes are getting larger and larger. So we redesigned our community so that we can handle eight and a half by forty, and that's wow. the max. And we'll just never be able to handle anything more than that. So they can't go wider than eight and a half. No, because the appendix Q is requires eight and a half. Interesting. They have to be. They have to be roadworthy. They have to be. Uh, they have to have you know tags for streetworthiness. Interesting. Well, that's yeah. Because I, I definitely there is a trend I would say of people building houses a little wider than eight five, which do require some some permits to move, um, but definitely gives you nice interior layout. You know that wider dimension. Right. It's surprising that Appendix Q requires eight and a half min and max. Well, you can you can have. I think with Appendix Q, you can only have up to eight and a half okay. feet. I think you can have less than eight feet. Interesting. But um, I, I like the bigger units as well. Uh, some of them are considered uh, called park models, and those are really nice as well. We just, for this community, it was such a tight area that eight and a half is just fine with us. 
And there, I just see the future of tiny home villages, whether they're inside of city limits or outside of the city limits, being able to accommodate the wider units. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you see this, what you've done kind of as a model? Like, could, could you repeat this? Could other people repeat this in other places? Or is this like very specific to Lake Dallas? No, I think it would be good for uh, a lot of cities. You know, Lake Dallas is a city that I say progress and prosperity passed up long ago. Um, they haven't made city hall, the, the elected officials maybe didn't make the best decisions. So where most of North Texas, the, the downtown areas are thriving, um, ours just isn't. So our city council recognized that fact and thought, well, maybe a tiny home village would bring us the recognition of our downtown area and would be a good fit. And uh, once people know that we're that city that allows tiny homes, then maybe we could get some other development as well. Not not necessarily tiny homes, but restaurants and uh, mixed use and things like that. So I think other cities are going to want to have, not all cities, but a lot of cities are going to want to have that cute little tiny home village uh, as well. Yesterday, we gave a tour to a, a city that is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's a pretty good-sized city. They don't need anything, but I think they would just like to have a tiny home village. And so that's a big deal whenever cities, other cities start looking at our village and thinking this might be something that they could use. Yeah, and I, I think there's a real need for someone or some organization to put together almost case studies of different models for for tiny house villages and make that available to other cities and towns. Um, right, right. What I've heard is that in that world, you know, no municipality likes to be first. Like if they can follow someone else's model that's already been proven and vetted, then they're much more likely to be willing to do something like this. Right. Even from the early on stages, um, our council was able to see the the type of people that will be that will be coming to our our village because they, so many of them attended the uh, public hearings and open houses and things like that so they felt comfortable with the the type of clientele that tiny home people are they're just a a high quality uh group of people very creative uh very intelligent and so we're hoping that by by the time we're finished with this and other cities come to take a look at our finished uh, village with all the homes, that they will be able to come and say, hey, there's really nothing to be scared about. This is not a bad thing. This is a really, really cool concept. And so all those fears that they had can, can go away. Yeah, I, I think... I think that is definitely the case. And there's certainly misconceptions about tiny houses, who lives in them. I think that you're right that you'll find that people who are interested in tiny living and people who are interested in, in living in a village or a community 
those are going to be engaged community members who like care about the town and care about you know right. just being involved being being active in the community right our village is two blocks away from city hall so i have a feeling that uh all 13 um well there'll probably be about 20 20 adults living there all of them are going to be involved in our community in some way or another um one of the things that we uh, are suggesting to all of our, our village residents is that they do some kind of volunteer work in town and uh, they can wear their tiny home village t-shirt and basically let people know uh, the quality of people that live in tiny homes and uh, the value that tiny tiny homes and the tiny home village has to our community. Yeah. I'm curious what what advice you would give to somebody who is interested in, in approaching their own city or town, um, you know, whether or not they were actually going to be the developer themselves. Like sure. What, what is, what are some pointers? I think you have to find the right council member or mayor and maybe one or two others. And you can start uh, gauging their interest. Um, you know, hopefully around here, you could put the council member in your car and bring them to Lake Dallas and just hang out and see what it's like here. But um, I think there's been a lot of resistance to tiny home villages and to tiny homes in general. But when when you see it as a uh, planned development that's well thought out and well cared for and well maintained that I think those council members and mayors will be more open to it. I think if you just talk to them about the concept, uh, I don't know that you'll get very far, but if you can actually show them, at least show them pictures or, uh, or show them in person. And then once you gauge that support, then you can work through the through the bureaucracy of the cities. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It sounds like you're saying that you need to find a champion or two or three that is right. already part of the power the power structure to help Correct. kind of shepherd you through. Correct. And they're out there. there yeah. Are, there are people that are out there. You know, I think um younger people are different than the older people in that they're more the younger people are a lot more open to different ideas um you know i think there are a lot of cities that actually need something whether it be in their downtown area or let's say they have another area of town that's just not m meeting the needs and expectations of the residents then a tiny home village could actually be maybe the epicenter of a redevelopment or uh, a starting place for good things to happen. Yeah, I've been surprised actually in the the age group that I, at least in my audience, when I started writing about tiny houses, you know, I figured that I would be writing to other millennials, other twenty somethings. Um, but I've actually found that there's a lot of retirees, people who are, right. you know, looking to downsize so that they can 
improve their quality of life. And I'm curious what you're seeing like in your renters. Are you, are, is it a mix? Is it all young people? Is it, what is that like? It's a mix. We have some uh, older ladies that have uh, children that have already gone on, uh, have grown up. And then we have uh, young people, um, uh, young couples, young singles. Um, and we didn't really plan exactly who we were going to have in the community. We just took took people as they came in. And it was always our hope that we would have a mixture of age groups. And we were able to do that. We, it just so happens that's, that's who, who tiny home villages uh, attract. That's great. So we, we like them all ages. It takes all kinds to make a village. And I think even with the children, I think having children in the, the village is a great asset as well. And you've got um, other people there to watch out for your children and uh, just kind of guide guide the children as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that makes a much more vibrant community when you've got a, a range of, right. of ages. Um, you know, in our in the rest of society, we tend to kind of separate younger people and older people and and everyone kind of has their place where they go but i think that it's much more of a full and enriching life experience if you are meeting people who are not like you absolutely absolutely so i'm curious and and feel free if you if you're not comfortable sharing that's that's fine um you know i i think that there are a lot of people who see tiny houses and are interested in, you know, I would love to create something like this. Um, what have you, what have you invested? Like what has all this cost to like do this land development and, you know, running the plumbing and the wiring and all that, if you're comfortable sharing? Sure. Um, I've had a lot of people contact me thinking that they could just, you know, run a few water lines and string up some electric lines and, everything will be fine and, um, you know, get a road grader and get some dirt and gravel. You might be able to do that in the country, but you really can't do it inside of city limits. Um, you can guess, you know, several hundred thousand dollars to make something like this happen. So it's not an inexpensive project. A lot of engineering went into this, uh, a lot of planning. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's an expensive project. I probably couldn't have done it had I bought the property at today's price. Uh, uh, the going rate now is probably double what I paid, maybe triple. Uh, I bought the property about 15, 16 years ago, back when things weren't quite as expensive. So I'm able to, to do this primarily because of that but if you were to go and buy the same property i'm not sure you could you could pull it off at today's market so you'd have to find probably a different different piece of property not saying that there aren't properties out there available at a price point you could you could do something like this but it sure helped to uh to choose like 2002 prices for the property rather than 2019. Certainly. And there's, 
I think what's appealing about tiny houses for cities and towns is that because they are small and mobile, there's an opportunity to potentially place them on properties that aren't really usable for anything else. Right. Or would cost a significant amount of money to redevelop for, you know, other kinds of housing. Right. The property, the the farm, it was zoned for, I believe, um, offices. Well, we don't really have a demand for offices. So there really wasn't a whole lot to be done in that area. And I really didn't want to just put an apartment complex on it. So this was a piece of property that was a little awkward. We weren't sure what to do with it. Um, I really wanted to put mixed use on it, but there's really not a need for the commercial aspect of mixed use in our downtown just right now. So doing a tiny home village was a, a good solution to this property, and it, it was able to, to keep the, the house and the trees and all that. And so it worked out well for everybody. Yeah, it when you described the farmhouse and the mature trees, I was happy to hear, you know, you didn't have to cut them down to do this. No, we only had to, we had to cut down hackberries, but they're more of a weed around here. Mm-hmm. And we had to take out one cedar tree and the other trees we were able to to keep. So it's a nice treed lot with a lot of shade. And in Texas, we really need a lot of shade. Right. At the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned Lake Dallas bungalows. Uh, I was curious, what what is that? Sure. It's a duplex project. Um, it adjoins, that property adjoins the tiny home village. It's kind of right around the corner. Okay. The community garden that we're going to have for the uh, tiny home village is in between the bungalow uh, property in the tiny home village. So everyone will be able to use uh, the, the garden space. Um, the bungalows are just really cool, very uh, colorful, um, really nice, uh, nicely built uh, duplexes. We have right now four units completed, uh, two one-bedroom units and two two-bedroom units. And what's really interesting is I marketed those specifically to the tiny home uh, uh, community here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and two of the units are actual tiny home enthusiasts. And uh, so that's that's a really neat aspect. We'll be building 10 more units and then um, we'll be finished out on that. We'll be built out. But those, uh, we have four done and we'll be gearing up at some point to do probably two more units and then uh, just see how it goes. But we can fill them as fast as we can build them at this point. And how, what's the square footage of those? The one bedrooms are 750 and the two bedrooms are 1100. So they're not really tiny homes by any means, but um, still, if you're, if you're wanting to be involved in a tiny home village and you can't, you're not quite ready or you just can't afford your own tiny home, then at least you can live near, nearby, right on the edge. So you can still uh, be a part of the tiny home village. Fantastic. I'm curious if there are any books or resources that you 
would recommend on the topic of, you know, development, real estate development type things? Um, I don't really read books. Uh, I didn't see anything uh, in that area. Um, I watched um, Tiny House Expedition with uh, Christian and Alexa. Those were awesome uh, videos that they they filmed. Both the um, Tiny House, Living Tiny Legally, Part One and Part Two, really helped to understand the process. And we've been lucky enough for them to come out and spend time with us. And I think we're going to be uh, part three of that and uh, showing the, the, what we did to get to where we're at today. Um, a big resource was B.A. Norgard and Jet Reagan. Um, they were extremely helpful through the whole process, and they still are. Um, it's both of their goals to finally get a tiny home village within the city limits somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we're really hoping that at some point Jet can can come live here uh, with us here at the Tiny Hill Village. That's great. I, yeah, that would, that's nice to have it come full circle. Right. This may be a, an odd question, so feel free to tell me if it's a, like, I'm kind of thinking like where can a tiny house enthusiast go to find a real estate developer who might be interested? Because it it seems like you know people like you are out there and people tiny house people are out there and every once in a while there are, you know, people who are into development who then get into tiny houses, but I feel like there's an opportunity for these two groups to meet. Because I think that a developer to build a good tiny house community needs to really understand the tiny house movement. That's a really good question that I don't think I've even thought about. Um, there are a few that are uh, uh, the real estate developers that are building tiny home villages, but primarily they're building them out in the country. We have a lot of uh, several tiny home villages that are going in. But they're typically about an hour away from the Dallas Fort area, and so that that's a problem for some people because they just don't want to drive that far. Um, but they're still. It's nice to see that those uh, villages are going in. Um, as far as trying to find someone, I, I'm involved with the incremental development uh, group, uh, and we have. Uh, I think they have. It's pretty much a national group of uh, people who do small development. Probably going to be a small developer, uh, someone that's willing to take a risk on doing a, a tiny home village. And uh, that group, uh, that group's probably going to be the best bet for doing something like that. Nice. Well, Terry Landtrip, this has been a great conversation. I, I think. I've certainly learned a lot, and I think that, that people listening will too. So thank you so much for, for being a guest thank on the you. show. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed listening to every episode as it comes out. So I've enjoyed listening. I've learned a lot from, from all of your episodes. Well, I really appreciate that. I hope you keep on listening, and it's great to finally have you on the show. Thank you. Have a great week.
Thank you so much to Terry Landtrip for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes from today's episode at thetinyhouse.net slash 079. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 079. Thank you so much to today's sponsor, tinyhouseforum.com. We really appreciate your support, and I encourage you all to go to tinyhouseforum.com, sign up for a profile, and check it out. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.